0: you know that you are the true OG when you actually name the category for which you are known. Alex Gray pretty much coined the term visionary artist. And he did this by going deep into his own psychedelic vision state and then producing that out onto a canvas for everyone to see. In this podcast, I sit down with Alex and Allison Gray, two of the pioneers in both artistry, matters of the heart, and also the creators of a new church with a brand new model called the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors. It was a great discussion that exceeded all of my expectations, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Alex and Allison Gray, so good to have you guys here at the table. Aubrey thank you Marcus, <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you for having us here today. Absolutely. You know, we had an interesting start to our journey in a way um, with licensing of one of your iconic pieces to put on our steel mace the quad (laughs) god and uh and that's was one of the ways that we first got in touch obviously we have a mutual friend in joe and i've been a fan of your art um but you know now we kind of come full circle and here you are at the at the onnit headquarters where the the quad god lives (laughs) this is is his, his home and uh it's great to have you guys here where the quad god was born where the quad god well i think it was born it somewhere was born deep alex in the too. mind and then maybe even born somewhere else deep in the cosmos oh, absolutely. and then channeled through the mind of alex here
1: thank you for taking that on and making that a benefit to as well
0: yeah for
2: sure well we've seen a lot of people who uh, use the mace we we love having ours as well and uh using it on occasion some People have commented that's the best mace out there, you know. So yeah. uh, it's a it's a beautiful
0: product, and we're grateful to have a little association there. Yeah, blending art and function yeah. is always cool when you can create that intersection.
2: Well, it it also uh, empowers the feelings that are part of the workout. You know, when when you feel more powerful, you are more powerful. And so uh, that's the same way I think with all art, you know, it makes us the best art, feel something, you know. And if you look at something beautiful, you will start feeling beautiful. And that is a health bringing function, I think. That's why the appreciation of beauty, although it's probably... You know, the aesthetic experience, it's not like promoted all that much. But that's, I think, one of the things that makes life worth living is yeah. seeing beautiful things. And because it helps us to feel more beautiful.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It reminds me actually of a teaching from Ramdas in which he explains that the reason why we like loving other people is because it engenders the feeling of love within us so it allows us to access the octave of love that is part of our expression which we project onto another person but then when we project it solely onto another person Mm -hmm. then we start to get afraid and we start to get attached because that's the thing that causes us to feel that love and so we put all of these restrictions and rules and we're worried that it's going to go away but when really we understand that the greatest gift of this is allowing us to feel love which is our truest state of nature and similarly to what you're saying you know art seeing something beautiful actually allows us to access the beauty that's innately within all of us
2: exactly same thing yeah sacred mirror
0: of that quality yeah Yeah. i'm you know it's it's interesting because i hadn't extended it to art you know i've i understood that from ramdas about love because that makes a lot of sense but art for sure that's the that's the reason whatever that emotion whatever that thing that it inspires particularly even beauty allows us to feel that thing inside ourselves which is an escape any same with any story or any poem or anything like that you know we we like the stories of heroes because it allows us to feel our own heroism you know like the hero that is willing to sacrifice him or himself or herself for the greater good you know i just watched the movie aladdin which is a classic story right and everybody knows the story so no spoiler alerts here on aladdin if there's a spoiler (laughs) alert on aladdin you're, you're a little late to the party you know but you know the final when when aladdin has the final wish he has the opportunity for absolute power with the final wish from the genie at the very end and he uses that wish to set the genie free as an act of friendship and an act of kindness right that act of heroism allows us to feel that part of ourselves that would give up all worldly power for something a noble virtue like friendship and then we get to feel that and that's why we fall in love with these stories
2: well those are things that i think stir the sacred archetypes inside of us you know those qualities of nobility and courage and uh, selfless action and things like that the religious epics are filled with stories like that you know Mm. and so the sacred art then is about coming into contact with sacred reality which seems to be populated by heroic and angelic forces you know and so when we see them mirrored in the actions even of fabled heroes we feel in contact with that thread you know of heroism like you were saying yeah you
0: know? I think there's even even on the 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 shadow the shadowy side of the expression I think we also like seeing stories of people playing out the shadow side of our psyche and the shadow side of our personality because that's a part of us too and it's almost like this naughty indulgence of this side when we get to watch the anti-hero or get to watch the villain you know there's a way that we can experience that part that we know somewhere deep down is still self too you know we're not pure pure beings by nature we're a mixed bag of all of these things that you know cumulatively create polarity and give us the opportunity to choose you know the angelic expression or the heroic expression or the love expression but we also have the opportunity to choose power or to choose control or to choose all these things so you know all of these stories really and all of the art pieces even the dark art pieces you know they allow us to you know kind of explore that side of ourselves too totally well you know uh the hindu uh, sacred
2: arts have the a certain quantity of what they call the rasa which is like there's you know there's the the joyful and ecstatic feelings there's the the creepy, frightening feelings there's you know each uh, kind of scene in a play may overarchingly have a quality, a rasa that goes into that, you know mm. and they and they on all the epics they they have to touch on. Uh, these feelings
0: you know in order to yeah, it makes it more tangible makes it more real yeah gets it that umami part <laughs> so it's not just sugary sweet you know it gets a little bit of the bitter notes and some of the other
2: notes well there's no better way of getting at the shadow i think than working uh artistically with yeah much shadow. better
0: than doing it out in the macro there you <laughs> in go the real world yeah. don't get you a know? bump stock get a paintbrush <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly that makes a, that makes a lot of sense you mentioned the the hindu art and one of the things i was thinking about talking to you about is you're one of the real visionary art progenitors as far as i understand it you know like when i think of visionary art like your name comes up as one of the originals who was kind of putting this out into the mainstream but i'm sure that you have a much better understanding of where this lineage kind of came from and so i was just going to ask you where you drew your original inspiration for this you know amazing visionary art because there's been a lot of people who have followed after you in your in your footsteps obviously people like andrew android jones and different people but everybody you know you were you were really one of the first that was kind of pushing this type of art psychedelic inspired perhaps or just truth and divinity inspired you know whatever whatever it may be um but art in the mainstream but where's the where was the lineage that that you actually followed well i think that
2: first of all there were these psychedelic experiences mm-hmm. that happened and i In your own life, these are life changing experiences, you know, when you encounter the psychedelic, visionary, mystical experience. No doubt. And so that happened for me when I met Alice. Yes. And so, and in her living room. And (laughs) Alex, Alex
1: took LSD for the first time at my party. And, uh, I had been tripping already for six years, but he had not. He kind of like, you know, put it off because he was, uh, you know, smart and wise <laughs> compared to other people who started depressed. when they were teenagers. <laughs> right. Quotations around yeah. smart right. and wise. Yeah. But then, but then uh, I think that the, the term visionary art uh, started when your book was published in 1990. The visionary art, you know, Sacred Mirrors, the Visionary Art of Alex Gray was the first time I ever saw that word used uh, to describe uh, people's art who is uh, influenced by their psychedelic experiences, and, mm. uh, but it also includes people who are just spiritually inclined and people who are visionary through meditation and 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 uh, you know holotropic breathwork and all other kinds of ways. So, but I think you got you know you got sort of engaged with that title uh, at that point where I don't think it really was your title before that.
2: Well, I think that since that time, uh, it, it seemed to be the best word at the time mm-hmm. without saying psychedelic art. Mm-hmm. And it, the thing about like calling it psychedelic art is then it's about the substance instead of what the substance or sacrament allows you to see. And so visionary... Uh, you know it gets the for a while i mean this is the 90s so drug war still is in uh full you know full strength uh, in this culture so um the first words though the first sentence i think of the sacred mirrors allison and i wrote uh that we had a powerful psychedelic experience on june 3rd 1976 and that uh so um, If you wanna go back to w- the tradition that this is born out of, we can go back to 10,000 BC and look in the caves of Tassili mm. uh, in Algeria and the now Sahara Desert. You've got caves filled with mushroom headed beings, uh, carrying mushrooms, kind of giddy, running a- around the cave walls. And a bee shaman, you know, that uh, has mushrooms sprouting all around its uh, profile, and uh, they—this is the, I think, at least the smoking gun of visionary art, visionary psychedelic art that mm-hmm. uh, shows us that there's a long history here. It predates all of the known religions. This is the psychedelics are the old time religion. Yeah. You know, and uh, all the archaeologists say that. And they even have said uh, that maybe the origins of art go to uh, these psychedelic experiences. You're having so many visions. What do you do? It's natural that many people become artistic after their psychedelic experiences, or in some way want to describe it. It was a pattern like this or something. And so imagine tripping as a, you know, neanderthals hanging out with the crow mags and looking at the walls (laughs) and saying do you see the yeah i see plenty like a stampede (laughs) or something you know so uh the divine imagination is a quality that i think psychedelics have been um seducing us uh you know toward higher kinds of civilizations you know for you know millennia. And so if you want to look at a uh, other artist, we all know Hieronymus Bosch, you know this was a man of visions, you
0: know very dark visions.
2: Dark <laughs> and a, a few light ones too though Yeah there were it, Bosch was one of the first people to paint um, this the appearance of uh, the near-death experience. He showed the tunnel that Raymond Moody describes in the people that have a near-death experience, and uh, Bosch painted it. You know, five hundred years ago. So, uh, and it had a soul going up to meet beings in the light. And uh, so, the uh, what the visionary artists are doing today, such as making people glow. That's something that we know from sacred art, the Christian sacred art sure. in our traditions,
0: the halos,
1: the,
2: exactly, yeah. the auras,
1: bodies. You mm-hmm. can see them in the Aboriginal art and that's other right. art too.
2: X-ray art, the shamanic art. Uh, that's all over the world. They have. What are called the x ray figures?
0: Yeah, and all the therianthropes that you can see throughout Egypt and throughout all of these different cultures. And if it goes back to what you were formerly saying, let's say you see something in this visionary state, however, that might have been induced through extreme fasting or through entheogenic substance or however it may have come, or just spontaneous you know transmission which sometimes happens as well happened to me i've gone into visions just thinking i was going to lightly meditate for a while and then all of a sudden i'm like oh whoa Like Download <laughs> here, we, time. here we go yeah right you know, so and, and if you can try like the natural tendency as social creatures we want to translate we want to give somebody else a little piece of that experience well we can't give them the vision that we had you know we can also maybe help them with the substance or help them with the experience that brought us to that but you know as anybody knows who's drank ayahuasca like good luck trying to get somebody to get your ayahuasca (laughs) trip you know probably not going to happen but we can create art based upon that which might engender some of those same feelings if we execute it you know with some integrity to to the experience itself and then they may just feel just enough of a taste of it so we get to we get to share it you got the exact
2: like i think reasoning Uh, behind visionary art is that you're able to share a a spark Uh, if it was a mystical experience that's a healing thing you know it somehow heals a breach between you and the universe you know and and it's all okay you know and and spirit is real very real and so uh, by by touching that, and you know, all the psychedelic science now shows us uh, the proof that these are healing experiences, and it's only with the mystical experience that you're going to have the the deepest healing from the PTSD and from depression and all the rest of these things. We need the mystical experience, uh, yeah, and in as individuals. In order to like seal our contract, you know, it's like I th- I think there's something that validates a person's life by having those deep experiences. They somehow uh, get along with whatever their mission is. You know, they take the okay. I'll take whatever crap I got because I know this is a great deal life, you know, and I'm gonna give it everything I have and I've got something special. You know, people recover their gifts, I think, after they finish, uh, after they forgive
0: everything. One of the incredible things that Alex Gray does in his art is to depict the human body in actually its true form there's this x-ray vision there's the depiction of the energetic systems that are at play but we don't really see that when we look in the mirror we just see our flesh and we see our skin and we see the muscles that are underneath but we don't see the true essence of who we are and taking care of the body allowing the body to be our actual temple that we worship with the food that we eat that we take care of that we nurture with the sunlight with the water with the air with everything that we do that is the cornerstone of what's going to allow us to reach our potential in this life so whether that's going and finding the tools that on it please do that check it all out Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey. You'll get your 10% off and you can explore around there. Whether it's checking out my book, Own the Day, Own Your Life, or just going to the Onnit blog and learning information or paying attention to what your body is telling you itself. All of that is incredibly important. So please check it out. Again, that link is onnit.com slash Aubrey. The book is Own the Day, Own Your Life, or just talk to your body yourself. Yeah, because so much of our experience is a denial of our own divinity, you know, a denial of our own soul, really. Whatever word you want to call it, all these words are so charged now because I yeah. think religion has capital R religion has used them to mean so many different things and have so many mechanisms of control layered upon yeah. them. But nonetheless, like that is an essence that we can come in contact with with the primary entheogenic or psychedelic experience or whatever mystical experience you might be having. And then art as a way to give people a glimpse into the window of that so that it'll be familiar and it'll be familiar because it's it's home it's like showing someone a picture of home even if they've never seen home some part of their body goes home you know even if they've never seen and then when you've seen home then you look at it and go home you know it's like a familiarity of both knowing in the in the cognitive sense and you know gnosis knowing in the somatic sense of like oh yeah that feels right (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> that feels really true it's the soul's home and it
2: remarkably it's a, seems to resemble a, the soul is a territory apparently that other people can experience same kinds of regions of the soul these inner spaces i mean that's the other mystery of visionary art is that with Allison, with me, with all of the dozens of amazing visionary artists that are out there now, the one thing they hear repeatedly is, oh, this reminds me of the time I, you know, had a sacramental journey and it looked something like this. Mm. So that functions as a way to validate the experience that that person had. Now, if they don't, if they didn't know that other people were having these kinds of visions, now they know. They're not crazy, other people are having them too. So in that way, it incorporates people within a community yeah. of uh, people who've seen, people yeah. who've had that experience and things. And so that's another reason that visionary art, which is a global, a worldwide phenomenon really, and. Uh, i I think it's a direct result of having these experiences sure people around the world are having the experiences it's not about them seeing my work it's about having the experiences and then making work out of that and i think that it's a genuine uh desire for a lot of people to try and make that world more available that's like bringing heaven to earth
0: yeah i want to read this piece from uh the book that you just handed me that just kind of popped out to me it's called theosis and I think it describes a lot of what we're talking about art can transform the way we see ourselves and the world sacred art has always depended on this possibility theosis means coming closer to God by contemplation of icons new ways of seeing lead to new ways of being when your being is transformed the world occurring to you transforms a great work of art once seen is unforgettable We encounter an art object and contemplate it it remains as a trace in our memory our encounter may have lasted a minute or an hour but the artwork is now alive in our minds doing its subtle business and can rewire our brains suggesting a new reality contemplation of a buddha or christ implants the possibility of our own enlightenment icons of a united world a sacred planet are essential now to implant the possibility of saving our collective lives reverencing our mother nature goddess self the one world spirit of all plants and creatures so this is
1: that's from the book art psalms
0: art psalms By Alex yeah that's great amazing i've just gotten to dive into it but that one really jumped out because you know you sit around an ayahuasca sharing circle which i would imagine we haven't talked about it yet but i imagine you guys have as well and i i've done many many of these and i've never heard someone's experience and gone huh that's weird <laughs> you know yeah, like yeah. they can be completely far out <laughs> you know like the a real but all of it seems true in some way you know what i mean and it reminds us of these really fundamental truths that we're all same you know these may have this may have come to you in a crocodile headed you know being who's telling you these things and that's interesting i've never seen one of those but what they're saying to you is pointing towards something that we all know and just the art as a representation of that experience is pointing to something that we all kind of know well you know that's the way plotinus talked
2: about knowing it's like uh and he said that that level of knowing troubles the viewer that they're troubled because it's that that much of their inner uh world has been touched Mm. you know and when when art can get
0: there that's when that's when we love it really it gets to the heart of things yeah no doubt i think there's sometimes people have a bias towards you know the type of art that's expressed i had a discussion with someone who recently who hadn't watched the show game of thrones Uh and was basically talking about unconscious programming and i was like well uh-huh. i get what you're saying there's a lot of potentially gratuitous violence and other things in the show i'm a fan of the show But i was like what that show is really doing is it's throw it's putting a spotlight on our shadow and it's showing that the lust for power the desire to hold the iron throne leads only to chaos and destruction and that ultimately fails every single person who tries it so this isn't just unconscious program this is a highlighting a shadow expression of ourself which will choose power 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 over and over again to our own failure and demise and like we can all see that and go like huh well that didn't really work out for any of these characters maybe it won't work out for me either (laughs) if i try to sit on my own iron throne and rule the seven (laughs) kingdoms and have a name that lasts for five minutes as we kind of roll into a new place right you know so there's more there's more to this than just just showing the light it's about showing the human showing the human experience and allowing us to react to that in a certain way now some people might watch the show and be like well i would have done that better and then i would have been sitting on that iron throne (laughs) you know i could have done it i could have been the one you know if i was aladdin i wouldn't have given that genie up i would have wished for this and that's okay like that's where they're at at that point you know and they need to continue their process of growth and learning to see beyond that to the truth that the art is actually trying to express but i think all of these things and not all the things i mean i think there is some stuff that's just purely there to distract like let's consume the mind from actually exploring the deeper principles but a lot of these things have more subtle value than i think people give credit to who just want to show one aspect of expression Oh, I think you're right.
1: I think I, I was, it made me think of our intention for Cosm because we created uh, Cosm, Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, together since, you know, we created the Sacred Mirrors in many ways uh, together too in our uh, art journey. And um, it's, it's a process of giving it away. Mm. It, the whole thing is create something and give it away. So, you know, you got to give away your power all the time. You have to, it's the eighth habit of highly effective people <laughs> to empower the leadership of others. And so that's what we have been doing since we started Cosm was basically finding people who are really good at a lot of different things that we need and empowering them yeah. like, like to do that, you know to do the thing that they do the best and, uh, and then to continue doing what we can do, which is making art. And inspiring people to support us you know in building a temple building a sacred space is possible in our time you know and uh we're we're just leading that you know that uh kind of front but uh you have to give it away to other people you have to let other people do do their best thing and 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 shine and be leaders
0: Yeah. yeah i mean i think that was the original purpose of the great churches and mosques you know you look at some of the ceilings on these mosques from the 13th 14th century and it's pure fractal expression it's the chrysanthemum that comes when you hit that nndmd real real well and it's you're looking up at the sky and it just descends upon you and this is in a 14th century you know arabic mosque you know and so it's it's trying to communicate something of that, but then obviously the rules get layered on top of it. So it's this weird, confusing mechanism. And same with these giant stained glass pieces in these domed cathedrals and churches that you can see in Italy or uh, these places like that. They inspire something that's wow. The Experience. ceiling of yeah. St. Mark's
1: Cathedral in Venice took five hundred years to complete. They invented, uh, you know, a gold leaf mosaic in like the year 1000 in order to do the ceiling so they put the the gold leaf between the gold between the glass and melted it together and it had to be about eight generations of people so who did the ceiling of saint mark's cathedral it isn't attributed to a single person it is eight generations of mosaic artists and and glass artists that did it so you know really great sacred spaces uh you know like ours is just a nascent sacred space that's inspired by two artists but you know really great sacred spaces you know take on many 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 hundreds of artists and we we are taking on artists all the time to help us create something beautiful and attractive for a spiritual setting
2: there's like by now been over five thousand people from the kickstarter uh, projects which were both successful, and hundreds of people over the years have just been donating to help us uh, build Entheon, and it's a collective art project, basically. You know, it's something that that everybody can work on together. You know, I can't do it alone. Allison can't do it alone, uh, and we had no idea that there would be a community who would uh, want to support this activity. But I think that it resembles um, other efforts by other, I think, groups of artists to try and make sacred space. And I think that one of the insights that we were having was that um, we thought as artists it would be cool to found a church that would be more like an art church Mm -hmm. because we know about all the religions basically because of their art the the creative expressions that are left behind the temples like you were talking about the the holy scriptures all these things are creative expression so even if all the religions or many of them disagree Uh, they all use creative expression uh, to get the word out. And so what if art were your religion, then you'd be connected with all the world religions. And each one of them would be uh, a cultural lens on the divine, and you could appreciate them all. And so uh, the other thing I think people have a problem with about religion is so dogmatic. Yeah. Now, Artists can't stand dogma. They just, you know, one has to change things or it's not creative. Mm -hmm. So the idea of an evolving uh, spirituality, I think, is uh, something that we can try to imagine today. You know, our friend Bob Jesse, when we told him, oh, Bob, you know, we're we're spiritual, but we're not religious, you know? He said, yeah, Alex, a lot of people say that, and it's kind of too bad, because then we're given the word religion, a very important word in the history of humanity. We're giving that to the fundamentalists. Is that what we want to do, or do we want to try to reimagine religion? Yeah, it'd, what be it like, can, it'd be like
0: discarding the word God because god has been used to fight wars and torture people and throw people in jail and burn witches like well no we that word's still good (laughs) you know like we just gotta clean it off a little bit we gotta get out the scrub brushes and uh, and and wash this thing off and still use it it's because they're
1: transgressive people there are people with without um altruism and and all kinds of uh you know bigotry and all kinds of things there's you know terribleness in the world but that can't be blamed on god and it can't be blamed on religion either religion mm. has done a lot of good too i mean a lot of bad in the name of but a lot of good in the name of i sure. mean you think of all the orphanages and all the hospitals and all the you know the people that help all the universities all the people have been educated you know there's a lot of good that's come out of that
0: and, i think um, that's a really important distinction actually is instead of looking at religion as the cause of the things that people have done to people look at people as the cause and just religion as the name that it was used in you know and and i think that's a really important distinction because otherwise if you lump the two together and think that like religion was a priori like religion came first and then people decided to be bad because of the religion actually it was probably backwards <laughs> that bad people were just like well what's the best tool to use to That's oppress right. ah religion will work yeah you know? <laughs> yeah. this is a religion way to power has
1: power right. catholic yeah. church has power christian churches have power and the people that are being cited now doing such terrible evil you know you can't you know blame the religion for what people did because there are at least and probably more people who have done amazing good and uh you know you hear about them all the time people who actually had great benefit from going to church and still enjoy it so people love coming to our church which is what we have and
0: uh, well because there's no there's no actual one religion anyways like look at christianity catholicism islam everything you can pick your path through that and find the most virtuous (laughs) truths being told you know as as one of my teachers paul selig and, and the guides that speak through him describe he says religion is diamonds of truth poured in a mortar of distortion but if you track your mind to just follow the diamonds and discard the the mortar of distortion that's been used people manipulating these words for power well you can find these diamonds of truth in every single religion across the board and if you pick that path you will find the virtuous path through that so there's no religion that I know of that excludes these diamonds of truth and that's and it's your choice how do you want to engage with it do you want to be the hellfire and brimstone Christian, or do you want to be the God is everywhere and His love Christian? You know? I, I
1: loved Brother David Stendelrast, who said that uh, religion is like good water going through rusty, corroded pipes. You know, <laughs>
0: yeah, so yeah, filter out, filter out the, the rust. The pipes are rusty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, filter the, 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 out the, the water is good. Filter it, and it's and it's great, mm-hmm. and it's one of the ways to know the divine and to know the self and to know all people get back to the the fundamental truths expressed through all these different lenses but you guys creating just the art without the dogma and without the distortion it's just the diamonds that are left for everybody to interpret on their own you know to a certain degree but it it removes all of this other stuff that that comes with it so it's almost like a religion in its purest in its purest expression
2: well i think that every there is that like you were saying that's the diamonds at the core and it's the mystical experience it's the that is the primary religious experience is the mystical experience god contact that's it it's not about the organization and how to control people and all the rest of the stuff that comes later that's the secondary religious experience right the primary religious experience is the diamond that's Mm -hmm. you and god God and self united. That's the purpose of uh, everything built uh, from religion is because of that happening. Every religion starts with a mystical experience. And so uh, in that way too, you can look back at both the the foundation of religion uh, as the mystical experience and that as a foundation for a religion that everybody uh, could access it, it or given the uh, a sanctuary where that is possible for them to have. That's what Hoffman was recommending for the new Eleusis, you know, mm. that and i think maps and a variety of people in festival culture worldwide they're working on creating a safe space for people to get
0: back in touch with god yeah and it's outside of the normal balance of religion well and also all right if you have the religion founded on mystical experiences two thousand years ago and then nobody's gotten back to those mystical experiences you know things are going to go telephone game for over <laughs> several think? several hundred generations and get a little squirrely like you got to get back to the god contact state at some point and just check some shit like hey we still doing good here is right, this still make right. sense here or did this somewhere get lost in the wash you know and i think that's what I, a lot of us are starting to do is like get back to that primary contact and then find the way that we can see that in in religion i think religion as a whole would be doing itself a great service to get back in contact but that would be the heroic move because they would have to sacrifice their own status of power at that point if they were going to give that up and be like oh whoops like we got a little off track here and um now my congregation may leave me and go to somebody else but i had a direct mystical experience and it let me know that got to kind of change course a little bit but that is the courageous move that hopefully this psychedelic revolution and renaissance that we're in will provide the opportunity for Will people will be like all right well i'm going to give this a go and they'll have that mystical experience again and just take another fresh look what, what
1: happened? What has happened? I feel since the LSD, you know, started to be, you know, used quite a bit in the sixties, is that people did have mystical experiences, just like you know the the experiments they're doing in Johns Hopkins, where they say that sixty-five percent of people who do the psilocybin in a safe and uh, uh, in the proper setting, with the intention to see the white light, as Ramdas said. Uh, will actually have a mystical experience. So you, then you have all these people, sixty-five percent who've had the mystical experience. They have c- had contact with God, and they know what you're talking about, and they want to get together and talk about it. It's it's mm-hmm. you know it's like it's like that 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 uh, that scene from Close Encounters where everybody you know had this vision, and they're all like building it out of mashed potatoes and and sculpture and drawing, and you know they all want to meet at the same place. I mean that's the kind of feeling that i get about you know the psychedelic experience that they're looking for a spiritual context a container in which they can express and feel and be with others who have ex- who've had that experience because you know who what you the first thing you want to do is share it yeah. you feel radicalized almost like you like yeah it's real i mean for me and for alex i feel we grew up in a semi you know secular but somewhat religious you know background and we were just agnostic in a sense or maybe atheistic but i was agnostic and i just saw god and then it was like oh this is what they call god it's mm. got a word it's 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 not a it's it's not a, um, for me it was not a gender it didn't have a face yeah. because i grew up in the jewish tradition where god doesn't have a gender or a face in my opinion it's just that just wouldn't work for me so it was a, more of a force and it was a force that we all share so, you know, all plants and animals and beings all share this force. So that is the unifying energy of the universe that 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 we call GOD, you know. Mm. Not That's why they don't let you use the word God in the non-iconic religions because it isn't a face or a gender. It's this this energy that we all share. Yeah. It's beyond that.
2: Yeah. Well, part of the exciting uh thing we just we're learning because uh, we had Tony Bosses over. Mm, really, great. you know, him? Hey, you yeah. know Tony, yeah, from the NYU psilocybin studies, and uh, so uh, both Johns Hopkins and NYU have been doing studies with clergy, Yep. and uh, clergy of mixed religion too, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I think will be very exciting to hear the results of, and I think that uh, people. Uh, who have had psychedelic experiences in their uh, kind of, in their chapel, in their synagogue, in their mosque and things like that, usually are not telling the congregation about it. And uh, I've talked with some pastors who've had these experiences and they're still challenged. To talk to their congregations about uh, this, you know, soul-revealing uh, and revolutionary uh, kind of experience.
0: Well, I there's a it, paradigm in which they would uh, that they would have to discard, in which you're not supposed to have direct contact. You're supposed to go through the words and then talk to the intermediaries, who talk to the other intermediaries, and then way back when some people had direct contact, but can't have direct contact now. You know, and Where so does they, it say that, though. Yeah, right? There is what? no. That,
2: that's that's it. That's more church doctrine than anything you'll ever
0: read in a Bible. Sure, it's not what Jesus was talking about, well, which is the Christ. Is in all of down within <laughs> yeah, when people exactly. are born
1: again, though, and when they die in in the spirit and things like that, and they like have these epiphanies. I do feel that they make contact with the divine, mm. and so there are people within certain, you know, faiths that are expressive. I mean, more expressive that uh, I think have. Felt Absolutely. that power, that spirit, in their own way. Singing can do it. Holotropic breath work can do it.
0: Yeah, you know. they can't. But can they say? So I had a I had an interaction with God, and let me tell you about it. Because I can say that. Because I like so on an ayahuasca too. experience, it was a very simple and profound experience where I had contact with, you know, what I can only describe as God, and you know, it basically said let me tell you the greatest love story ever told and it showed God as the spirit imbued in all things meeting with matter in the physical form and is like the divine masculine and feminine expression that was all God said but I can say that God told me the greatest love story ever told and it was spirit and matter merging in, in sacred union and like but a, but a pastor can't say that you know a pastor can't say god told me this you know directly and i think that's a shame because like we all can and then, yeah it's subject to our own interpretation and maybe we got it we're a little wrong and it, that's okay you know it's all right too but to be able to just say like yeah we can all communicate with that force and it'll come in and it feels like this and and then be able to just speak openly about that just expel that myth that we can't make contact with that universal force
1: i think that god comes to wow. each person you know uniquely in some ways i mean you know moses saw the burning bush you know it was not being consumed it was just burning and it was talking to him and saying you know take off your shoes and pray you know this land you're walking on is holy ground and then muhammad you know flew across the heavens on on a on a back of a of a mule a, a person-headed mule and then you know, you know, Christ had his own epiphany. They all have had, you know, and expressed their own epiphany. Now you saw God in my apartment on my couch, <laughs> as in a sense as a as a unifying uh, force between the black, the dark, and the light.
2: Yes, it was uh, my polar unity spiral, and uh, I was it was my first trip. I've talked about it a lot of times, but basically it was one of the strangest acid trips because I've never had an acid trip where you see the same thing for hours on end. Mm. You always see everything different. It's never the same. This, the vision, as soon as I would close my eyes was always the same. And I was inside of a tunnel, inside of a, I guess a vast tunnel inside of myself. In my mind, it seemed I was in the dark. And it curled around, and right around the corner was God, basically the, the light that was shining out around this kind of cavity that was like a mother-of-pearl kind of uh, surface to the, this shell-like mind that I was a uh, conch shell of consciousness, it seemed, you know, uh, going around. So I could see, I, I was doing a lot of artwork about polarities. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is why God spoke to me in a very clear, straightforward thing. No, no faces involved. It was light only. Mm-hmm. I was in the dark part of the tunnel, but I was going toward the light. I got my path. I got my orientation
0: mm.
2: and so I understood as a nihilist uh, I was no longer a nihilist or a or uh someone who you know thought that uh or was agnostic now I was a mystic now <laughs> I could say for certain and for real, God does exist and uh, I got my confirmation, you know, and that light could tell me everything. And that in the tunnel was like every shade of gray connected the dark that I was in to the light there. So that's when I decided to change my name to gray because it united the opposites.
0: I hope you guys are enjoying this podcast. I wanted to take just a quick moment to remind you that the way that the word gets out the way that the message is spread is through all of you just sharing it with a friend if every one of you shares it with one friend that might be a little skeptical or might be a little on the fence maybe that will make an impact and maybe that person will share it with somebody else and maybe that person will share it with somebody else and then the movement grows and the idea being that the consciousness evolves until the collective actually truly shifts and that starts with ourselves but it continues through the sharing with all of our friends and family so thank you so much to everybody who's been doing that and I encourage everybody else give it a go you never know who might resonate with it that's again one of those ultimate truths where the darkness and the light ultimately can be seen as the same just different expressions of the thing that is everything which is what we can call God which is You know blended together is is the gray and the beauty of that and i didn't know that's where the origin of your name came from but how what a beautiful way for that to come through because that's that's the truth you know the truth is you know i once had a ayahuasca shaman describe to me the devil as the one with as much so much compassion for humanity that they were willing to hold the polarity of ultimate resistance Mm -hmm. You know, so that we could have free will. Cause otherwise, if there wasn't resistance, guess what? Everybody's just enlightened on a one-way water slide that we can't <laughs> get out of going straight towards it anyways. But now we got some wiggle room. We got some choice because yeah. there's resistance and then there's acceptance and surrender and fighting and all of these things that we get interpretation. to interpretation. Yeah, we get to we get to play in this yeah. in this landscape because of that. But that's only possible because of the you know extrapolation of these different polar forces you know of which can yes can be seen as the same but also in another you know octave lower is seen as different dark and light or you know all of these different ways that we describe different things but really all is of or nothing is really you know it's and that's that's that fundamental truth that i think a lot of us ultimately get to first we see the dark and the light and dark is bad light is good and then we start to blend them and be like oh no like thank you for all of this yeah what a
2: beautiful shuffling of the transcendent and the imminent you know that love affair that years and when
1: i saw god for the first time i had just read ramdas's book be here now and ramdas uh talks about the white light and that if you Take LSD in this sort of conscious way where you go into a dark room and lie down, and, you know, instead of the way I was taking LSD, which was, you know, with my friends partying or climbing mountains and doing dancing to Led Zeppelin and whatever. Mm. But if I would go into this dark room and I would just like be open to quiet and inner uh, experience. And what I saw was the secret writing. And it became part of my art. So it became my art. I mean, it's uh, the secret writing was wafting through the air and washing all over surfaces. And to me, it, it had a meaning without translation. It had a meaning that could not be translated but could be known. Mm. So it was like telling me that, um, you know, that all communication and all artistic expression and all things that are symbols... In the world our our inner world becoming outer world objects and that was you know the expression of god that it could be the expression of god and these were seek this was sacred secret writing that i i knew that it was god but i didn't know you know i couldn't tell you in words what it said but i continued to make art about it and explore it and realize you know the the importance of symbols in uh, expressing god
0: yeah yeah for sure so one one of these things that really comes through is is this idea of the of the sacred geometry of like the fractal nature it seems like the the constructs in, in a vision i had the the understanding that you know it's the the intention the intention of god is to manifest and then the sacred geometry figures the way you know it's just that's like all the little legos these tiny little legos of light that just go cactus (laughs) amethyst you know human (laughs) you know and you start to like see through to the it seems like you see through to the building blocks like the very building blocks of the manifest itself on some of these psychedelics and that's i think what's imbued in so much of your art and other art is like oh you start to see the, the the fabric the cosmic yeah. web weaving yes. us. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The threads, not yeah. just the tapestry, but the threads themselves. Well, that's what I think
2: was the message in your uh, secret writing, too, Alison. Was a kind of divine intelligence symbolized in a language of light, and that in itself is knowledge that God exists. There is divine intelligence wafting through the air that I can see now that I didn't see before. And in that way, you know, we see that uh, weaving together uh, through these webs of light, you know, that I think are the face of God. If Mm. we look at the clusters of galaxies and the dark matter and dark energy weaving together the galaxies, it looks very similar to the neuronal web and the mycelial web Mm. and the Cardiovascular and lymphatic web that weaves us. The web is the face of God. That's, you know, the net of interconnectedness, you know.
0: Yeah, as above, so below, as yeah. within, so without. You know, you start to see these things on the micro as you see these things on the macro. And I think it's really interesting, too, as we get really, really micro into the quantum physics and quantum mechanics, then we start to look. little bit more at the nature of god in which the observer itself our own our own presence as divine beings actually can influence whether something expresses as a particle or a wave you know and it's like is this energy or is this matter i don't know it depends on what you're looking for and then you're like what how does that make sense you know like where does this all go and as we start to learn i think you know for a while science had to discard some of the distortion of religion by getting back to like all right come on guys like let's get real here and let's talk about it but as we go deeper into the science then the same thing is going to be ultimately posited like okay let's get real here guys you know like god's what's- got to place around <laughs> yeah. Yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly and i think that's the invitation of you know we're on this journey of science's hero's journey you know where at first it's yes disproving some of the things that are all you know distorted and untrue mythic. and mythic and then eventually in my in my opinion going to eventually prove the mystical you know in its way because i think all things are all things are possible we just haven't you know all things have this uh, an explanation that is real we just haven't developed the methods and the tests and the and the analysis to be able to show exactly what is happening here, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if we're able to do that and the scientific method is able to actually keep going and show what that potentiality and possibility really looks like. I think that, that
2: basically the Johns Hopkins replication of the Good Friday experiment in a much more sophisticated way is the science that proves the existence of divinity. Mm. Now, there isn't any better or closer experimental proof of that. But if you actually want to look at, about this crazy idea, how do we prove the existence of God? Oh, you can't do that. Well, <laughs> where, uh, where would God show up? God has always shown up in our imagination. Every experience we have is a product of our imagination. We still haven't dealt with that shit. We have no idea what the fucking imagination is. <laughs> you know. And it's the cause of everything. We're projecting a world out here. Mm. It's being generated from inside. And so no one has a clue. Like, How does consciousness do that? How does a sense of self arise within the context of a mainframe like a, a body? It's, it's an astonishing miracle just really to conceive of it
0: and yeah and we've for and we've made forbidden the tools that can help us start to understand that you know which is the the crazy irony of what we've done it's like okay we could get answers if it don't do it (laughs) by all means we'll throw you in a cage for your own good if you try to do that that (laughs) that is
2: dangerous stuff you're thinking about really deep shit yeah exactly
1: couldn't it couldn't unfold at a more perfect time than at the crisis that we're at right now honestly we all need more light and more spirit and more devotion and more uh, vehicles uh, and containers where people can really learn to get along and make something beautiful together, and it's the only counter to the ugly, the bad out there. You know, it's such, there's a lot of bad out there, and uh, yeah. we want to, you know, do all we can to bring the light, and that's what you do with Onnit. Do my
2: best. Yes, you I do, do. My best. It's um, an oasis of health. And yeah. uh, growth and transformation, I think that's what
0: we all want yeah, to try to do. We, that's what we aspire what to. What can you do?
1: Sure. You know, you can go out there and fight, fight, fight. You can be on the front lines, you know, fight, fight, fighting for all the causes that you believe in. Or you can create delight and have a beautiful life with people who really would like to share that with you, you know. Mm. Uh, it's not that you don't know that the bad is going on. You know it and you you you, you detest it, but you keep heading for the light. I mean, what can you do? What, what does every yogi say is true, that every moment is perfect just as it is. So yeah. finding that perfection and creating a container for people to be at peace together.
0: And giving people permission to be that as well. Creative you know, as too. soon as we express that, whether it's our own vulnerability and our own struggles or shadows or our own, you know, positive expressions of what we're able to feel, then it gives other people permission to feel the same thing, which is probably one of the most powerful things that we can do is just show that proof of concept. Like, hey, this is possible. You know, this is possible. This is and this is also possible. You know, this these dark thoughts and these feelings of like, what am I? Can I do am I even good enough? Am I ever going to forgive myself for what I've done? And and every time you share any form of that truth other people can go like oh wow i'm not alone you know and then that sense of global community and unicity will start to form and people will start to look at each other like well maybe it's not just me who's in pain and has anger and has self-doubt and has these things and maybe it's not just me who sometimes feels like i could you know Love the entire world at the same time with a single exhale. You know, maybe, maybe we've all had these different experiences—from the ecstatic to the ultimately self-deprecating and, and really challenging. You know, and and trying to bring the community together to just be comfortable to have true conversations without the posturing and without the pretending and without all of the different ways that we go about it. I mean, I think that's that's really one of the biggest gifts that we can give is just to be be truthful just really be truthful and and i'm you know excited about the way that that's kind of happening where that virtue of authenticity and that radical exposure of oneself is now finally being i think rewarded you know people are like really hungry for that and they appreciate that you know and i think that's that's a great sign because i think that's how that's how growth moves growth moves through that that the true recognition of of who we are and and what we are and how we serve and and not only that the ultimate expression of that but also the denial of it that we all go through and the challenges that we all go through in that process
2: yeah it's a a sacred path that then as um creative people and creative agents in the world that you know we can add more light or more darkness you know all our choice exactly and it, it it's an aesthetic choice too you can see how uh, the uh, you know kind of questionable moral uh, and ethical kinds of things sometimes come into uh, the uh, culture making you know like what will uh, what sells what do people, respond to those are a number of questions that uh, keep a kind of culture going uh, instead of built on the mystical experience mm. and the psychedelic experience that gives you a ground of being connected with a world spirit that you want to come from the uh, from the ground of unity because yeah. that's the primary lesson of a mystical experience is the experience of unity with everyone, with everything, with, uh, with it all. And yeah. so from that ground of interconnectedness, that it's like the Buddhist eightfold path. You know, you gotta start with the right view, come out with the right intention, and then have the right words to go along with that, to then have the right action that comes from that, to then have the right livelihood, the right effort has to go into it, the right mindfulness, and then the right concentration, you know, to mm. get it done. So all those elements can go into any creative expression that we put out in culture. But what is, the most essential thing is, what is that right view? Where do we start? you know uh, yeah, as a as a moral pivot uh away from the dark toward uh our higher possibility
1: and the, and, and the right view is that there's no independent arising so if that's the right view like there is no no independent arising that means that we all are interdependent yeah on each other and we all and all good and all evil affects us all
0: yeah there's a a culture that I've um, you know, come in contact of the lineage of, it's uh the culture is Chavin and it's from ancient Peru. Yeah. And the culture of Chavin had um during this period where chavin was in control of the of the region in the area, they had something like eight hundred years where there was no evidence of any warfare, which is like really unheard of in the history of humankind. You know, warfare kind of affected so many cultures right and the one differentiating factor is they had developed the use of two entheogens one for the inner circle which was an enthean called vilka entheogen called vilka which is 5-meodnt and ndmt and bufotinine in a snuff that comes from a seed pod and then they also had wachuma which is the san pedro cactus mescaline derived uh, entheogen which really is somewhat serotonergic. It gives you that a slight MDMA loving, connected kind of experience. And they would offer the sacrament of Wachuma to all the pilgrims who would come to Sha'veen. So everybody who came through the area, they would offer the Wachuma as the sacrament and people would give gifts, shells from the seashore, or different places, and and it managed to sustain a culture of peace and equanimity for as long as we can kind of record in history and it seems like that idea of this new Chavine rising where now it's going to be churches like your own perhaps as the laws shift and then other different establishments and facilities like the maps facilities somewhat blending the medical model with the spiritual visionary model places where people can gather and then what do the mega churches look like well i guess burning man in some ways is something of the mega church you know that's going on but everybody's doing a different sacrament so it's kind of it's not really organized it's kind of like popcorn sacraments like this person's on this this person's on this but nonetheless there's a communal spirit there but what is the invitation for when it is actually really legal and people don't have to smuggle things in their boots and in the seats of the rv and you know figure it all think of that think of the potential of that when you have you know a thousand facilitators and ten thousand people doing Watchuma at the same time. I don't know what the ratio is, but ten to one sounds pretty good. I don't, I don't know. I'm not in charge of this thing, but imagine that. Imagine that experience where everybody's on the same sacrament and there's, you know, like this Tony Robbins style event, but it's not about jumping <laughs> up and down to Pitbull. It's about doing a sacrament together. And what are the powers of that? As an I want it goes. in Congress, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? Tony we need yeah, three facilitators need, for every congressman that's, that's okay no, you're right we need to change the ratio but <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah it's did you a,
1: did you walk on fire with tony
0: i didn't i've never done any of tony oh we stuff. did we
1: did a lot of tony he did oh yeah and yeah. he actually has alex's painting of firewalking. it. that's amazing that he did like after we did firewalking in the mid '80s, he you know we, Alex did the painting, but he bought it like last year. You know, we finally you know reached the 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 uh, I don't know the attention of Tony, and that's uh, cool. yeah, and he he has a big uh, life size painting of firewalking. That's cool, by Alex Gray.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there's it's just that opportunity isn't available, even if Tony wanted to do that, because secretly that's a part of his own practice and a part of the way, like what's he He going to do you can't you can't touch it you can't touch any of that not in
2: this culture this this time.
0: yeah but in the future you know these this this idea of the churches and the mega churches of the future may be a radically different thing where people are having direct mystical contact with firewalking
1: was considered a mystical and i think still in many cultures it's still considered a you know, a spiritual experience, it's an event that over which you don't get. You know what I mean? You just, mm. you know, it's 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 the eschaton of walking on fire. You you never forget it and it changes you. Mm. So I think that his his idea to to get people riled up enough so that they would be willing to do something like that. Me, as timid as I am, you know um it's an it act changes faith. You. it totally it's a, does change it. it's sure.
2: a it's a leap of faith into even if you're seeing people doing it you individually still have to choose to uh go out there it's an act of courage yeah but he's created like you know many different kinds of things but that's very dramatic in
0: sure a, in a way i think you know one of the other ways that i've seen it done is you know my friend wim hoff who Winhoff, has the Wim Hof method of the breath work and the cold. Yes. You know, he has these giant gatherings now Kevin. where everybody's breathing together <laughs> and everybody's going through the process and then everybody's diving in this really cold right. water and going through these transformative experiences together. You know, I mean, just even even taking that many breaths together is a, is a thing. A lot of times when I give speeches you know i'll have people take six deep breaths which in a some clinical research that i put in my book was enough to shift blood pr- blood pressure and shift the you know brainwave patterns yeah. of the participants in the study just six well you keep going you know wim hof going 20 30 40 50 or whatever and then that's going to be transformative in and of itself and then going into the cold well now you got you're starting to stack these things and then you're starting to approach this in a lot of ways, so there's many ways to do it. And I think people are hungry for these things that draw us out of our ordinary life, which oftentimes is far too much suffering. You know? they're
2: initiatory, yep, they initiate a new sense of self, you know clearly yep. you're you're not the person you were now you've done this. Mm-hmm. What else could you do? I mean, right. that's the whole idea that Tony had was like, if you can walk on fire. Can you ask for a raise? Yeah. You know,
1: Can mm-hmm. you lose 10 pounds? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You Can you stop quit? smoking? Yeah. Right. It's yeah.
0: empowering. Right, right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. makes a lot of sense.
1: Well, and, and I was going to say holotropic breath work. Stan Groff and Christina Groff developed it after Stan was not allowed to use psychedelics to uh, elicit these experiences in people. So they developed holotropic breath work, which was that, you know, and uh, I, a lot of people feel like they get very... Down. High,
2: absolutely. It's a when you're dealing with a breath. I think it's a you know either choking or uh, getting more oxygen. It's about almost like rebirth, you know. I think that the the breath, every breath, we're reborn, you know. And so the as we play with that, we're playing with this almost the mechanics of rebirth, yeah, you know, in
0: our minds there's there's so many ways up the mountain and i think learning all of these different ways because the psychedelic experience isn't going to be something that you're going to want to do all the time you know i mean there's and one of the methods that i really like is ecstatic dance yeah so that's a container that i've cultivated and i use on my retreats and masterminds and things and i've actually mapped one of them to stan groff's basic perinatal matrices so bpm one two three four so you actually wow. dance your way through these different processes oh. ultimately finding yourself in the ecstasy of breath and being birth and it's a really powerful experience for people especially because people men in particular i find are constricted in certain movement patterns and are uncomfortable with their body because they've had to be this macho form of themselves that only moves in a certain way because of rampant homophobia and social stigma and all of these things that have kind of constricted the way that we're comfortable moving and you burst out of those patterns and then follow these arcs whether it's the hero's journey or the basic perinatal matrices and come out the other side and doing it with the community together it just really bonds people right we have electronic
1: dance music and then we always consider it ecstatic dance i mean people can really you know Pump themselves up and get very high at the ecstatic dance music. They're all in a tribe together. They're mm-hmm. all jumping up and down. And I, have always felt that the young people that are jumping up and down together at these ecstatic dance raves, but now more trance or you know EDM, whatever it it, it evolves into, they are having a community spiritual experience. Yeah, very very of valid. bonding. Yeah. A bonding,
2: a bonding like That exactly what you're saying, and to have a group experience where you're going through those transformative rebirth uh, stations, you know, and dancing, and uh, well, it's. I think that that ecstatic dance is probably,
0: maybe it's the first art form. Yeah, one of the one of the first, one of the most ancient ways yeah. in which we've we've all accessed that point, point. and it's also, I think. You know, you can take it the other way, too, where you can go to a a nightclub where you get some people paying for the really expensive tables and then the more expensive tables, and then the fancy showing of how the the sparklers and the champagne and all this kind of hierarchy and posturing and the way that you're kind of showing off and trying to attract this different thing and, and then there's some people dancing but mostly everybody's just trying to look cool for the other person it's like <laughs> the opposite of an ecstatic dance where everybody's sweaty together on the same level there's no hierarchy you're you bring you, whatever you're drinking you're bringing yourself you know and then hopefully it's water and you know it's just a different type of different type of thing but it's like you know the original mystical experience in religion like it can get distorted dance this thing that we all love to do that would think that we're called to well we can create this into this kind of hierarchical power laden structure which is fine nothing nothing against that i've gone to plenty of nightclubs and done the thing you know it's okay but it's not the same thing is everybody just taking off their shirt and getting taking off their shoes and getting sweaty together dancing to the same music and giving each other a big hug afterwards or lying down and meditating and crying and whatever kind of comes through you know those are the experiences that i think people are craving
1: i hate to say it but when you take the alcohol out of the uh configuration i I feel like alcohol often depresses that um i don't know that that bond although people can get pretty pretty lovey around it too but it just seems like when we were in a club in in manhattan we we were in a club building there were six clubs in our building and the first floor was spirit new york and they are the ones that brought us there to bring the sacred mirrors and alex's paintings to the fourth floor so we had the twelve thousand square feet on the fourth floor of this building but all the all the floors were clubs and there were there was violence in every club shootings actually except ours where we We're alcohol free, hippies, and uh, (laughs) we were always welcome. And our people looked very different from everybody else. But the guard, the security people, and the police out on the street and everything—it was—it was 27th Street. It was, you know, Chelsea. It was, you know, very, very raging. And ours was always extremely peaceful. We never had any real problems at all except you know maybe we needed a little counseling for somebody who might have had a gone the wrong turn you know what i'm saying really it was absolutely peaceful and everybody knew it and in the other floors there were shootings in every floor it was just like they all closed eventually and we we were no alcohol yeah we were what no alcohol 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 free always
0: you know i really encourage people to when you dance sober it's dance is a medicine and i think alcohol actually robs you of a piece of that medicine you know Mm -hmm. i was out just recently at a salsa club and i wasn't drinking at all that night usually i'll have a drink or two if i'm going out dancing but i was sober that night and the band left i'm not a very good salsa dancer so it's a lot of thinking when i'm doing salsa (laughs) i actually have thinking so hard my mouth is open like i'm like a (laughs) goldfish (laughs) with head trauma just like oh because i can't process the beat very well but then all right so then the band goes off and they just start playing like edm infused reggaeton music like latin music and i was like oh i can dance to this and i'm dancing sober and i get that natural endorphin rush that was like so exhilarating that i used to remember from when i was younger these times that i ecstatic dance and i was like oh this is so much better so much better to just dance freely and freely express yourself through dance when you're not having these depressants in your system now that said i did actually get tired <laughs> you know like i actually had to take a break you know because i didn't have something propelling me forward right but the but the experience of in- engaging with that form of movement without the alcohol was actually the best yeah you know it really was pure pure joy you know yeah and i think i think too many times people are like try to stack too many things like all right i'm gonna do this thing in the float tank and then this thing in the sweat lodge i'm like no just do the sweat lodge man like just go to the float tank like it's enough and then maybe when you're really experienced you know like you can start to stack and play with it but you don't need to go into your first float experience you know super baked or super high on anything else at all just go float it's an experience in and of itself so is dance so is the inipi so is the you know temaskal so all these things are medicine forms or breath work for sure you know like go into that sober there's plenty of medicine there for you you know you don't need to heighten this to the to the ultimate level like accept the medicine that's available and it's actually going to be the best well, it's
2: paying attention. Mm. That kind of meditative uh, or contemplative awareness just being brought to anything you're doing, there you're back, you know? Yeah. You're back in your uh, witness, you know? And uh, the that's the, I guess, the pivot point, that point of you're being able to choose the way that you'll... Uh, author your life, you know, what's the story of your life as an artist or an author that you're, you know, the script you're, Mm -hmm. you're writing in your head. You know, we like to think of art as being like a metaphor for all the things that we do, you know, I mean, we have a picture of a reality that we're creating, you know, always the artist in our mind is doing that. And so that, artist the inner artist is really uh what gives us our joy and appreciation of life as well because can we appreciate the spectacle god has prepared for us Mm. you know it can be it can be seen in those in those terms too you know
0: and i think sometimes we're afraid to appreciate the spectacle that god has prepared for us because we're afraid of if we appreciate it too much and then we die and it gets taken away then it'll hurt too much you know i think sometimes we close our eyes to how good it might be because we're just so afraid of losing it you know and i think recognizing that it's not going anywhere and that we probably get another run at this if we want anyway so might as well enjoy it all because what's the point It's like giving up the thing that's the ultimate gift to prevent yourself from losing the gift. Well, if you're why give it up in advance? At least enjoy it while it's here. Whatever it's a love affair, if it's a love with life, it's a great meal, it's a great whatever it is. It's like be there with it. Every moment
1: is perfect, just exactly the way it is. So figure out how. You know, I mean, it's your job to figure out how this maybe seemingly imperfect moment is actually perfect. And in hindsight, I think a lot of us can do that. Yeah. If we look back at our life and we think of the, tra- the trauma, your accident, our accident, you know, the things that we, we survived and are even better from. And we, uh, you know, it's our job to figure out, you know, why that moment was perfect, the perfect moment for us and uh, selected by God. I mean, yeah. I know that sounds crazy to some but to me it feels that finding
0: the gift in the wound right yeah yeah and we can we can be perfect batting a thousand at looking back at our life and being grateful for everything but still look forward with terror and apprehension <laughs> at right. everything to come right that's it's true. like no matter i've had 38 years of being grateful for everything that's happened and i'm looking forward to the next 38 years going oh no it's really going to take <laughs> a turn God. oh shit you know like it's come a on. practice though yeah it is it's a
1: practice when things come up like you know you're getting older and you, you have achy here or there or you have some illness here or there like it's your opportunity to it's your challenge to confront that what can you do what are you not doing that would make you well again or what what could you do better that could have you come out better in the end of your accident or your your infirmity or the gift of it every single person who uh, you know survives, According to Andrew Weil's book, Spontaneous Healing, if you you know, the, the bottom line basically is can you see it as a gift? Mm. All the people that he, he collected all the evidence of people who have had spontaneous healing from various ways, various, you know, treatments and things like this, alternative healing is his specialty, uh, realized that the that the illness or the injury was a gift. And how is it a gift? And what did it give to you? And even if you die from it, you can die in, in more peace uh, through understanding that. This is why people are, are doing MDMA for, um, you know, the grief and the terror that they have confronting you know, terminal illness. Um, yeah, and they take too, yeah. They take the psilocybin, they take the MDMA to kind of get their wra- minds wrapped around the gift.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. well you guys have brought a lot of gifts into the world and i think thank i speak you. on behalf of so many thank just expressing you. uh just the utmost gratitude for the for the work that you guys have done and the integrity with which you've held the spaces that you've uh, that you've held so thank you so much thank you aubrey thank you so yeah. much for this,
2: for this opportunity us. to get a little closer i yeah, hope you'll get a great. chance
1: to come to new york sometime I if I you're will. ever in the area we'll make you feel like a king we will, <laughs> we, we will treat you I, as king of cosm for the day as long as
0: everybody else feels like a king too then exactly I'm All right, we yeah, will. and we'll do it um yeah and people can donate uh donate how do they do that in the in the most efficient way we're raising way?
1: money for entheon
0: yeah. the
1: chat the the sanctuary of visionary art we're building a twelve thousand square foot three-story temple of visionary art and we're right Coming around the corner to completion on the interior, which means it will be open and the art will be on view, and then we're going to start raising money for the sculptural exterior. And uh, we have some of the exterior sculptures, like the steeplehead and the doors and big nine-foot soul birds, and you know. And uh, we have some of the sculptures were funded, and uh, but we want to finish the inside first, so we can put the sacred mirrors and other paintings back on view and be the container you know, for uh, spiritual and uh, uplifting experiences for a lot of people.
0: Beautiful. And where do people go to, to find that?
1: Cosm.org. Cosm stands for Chapel of Sacred Mirrors.org, O-R-G. And uh, we we were starting the Build Entheon, the, the, the open Entheon campaign. Is, it just started on the solstice, which is kind of wrapping up all of the things that the town has uh, challenged us to complete in order to be a better... Uh, in service to the community mm. so you know all the paving, all the ground lighting all the site work all the interior work, all the cases, all the finishing of the floors everything has to be done and we're getting very close and we do need people to go to uh, uh, buildentheon dot com and cosm we are doing all we can to leave uh, a sacred space for yeah. generations to come
2: and uh, thousands of people have been part of it and we thank the amazing uh, visionary community you know that has helped support making this uh, new kind of sacred space so it's been an awesome journey so mm-hmm. far and we think that within the next year it, we're going to be open so it'll probably open sometime in Cosm is open though yeah. we yeah.
1: just celebrated our 206th consecutive in an unbroken chain of full moon ceremonies, which started in January of 2003. We've never missed one. And you can come, any full moon ceremony, and we, have, we also have the, all the celestial ce- uh, celebrations, the equinoxes, the solstice just happened. Beautiful. And the deities and demons masquerade ball, and we'll be there for all of those, and people can meet us. We're very happy to meet new people. So make mm-hmm. more friends that's that's no our new year's resolution every year
0: <laughs> that's beautiful that's beautiful well thank you so much thank, thank you, you so you. much oh, aubrey for giving you. us Take the care. opportunity thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. thanks for tuning in everybody for those of you inspired please feel free to donate at the chapel of sacred mirrors cosm dot org check out all of alex and allison's works they're pretty incredible and then of course check out my blog go to the newsletter aubreymarcus.com sign up for that check out my instagram and please share the podcast with people who it might be beneficial to listen to that's how this thing grows that's how we create a movement so i deeply appreciate all of you and i'll see you next week